Hello, hello, hello. You are listening to Emotional Support. I'm Alessandra Torsani, and I am here with a very good friend of mine. So good, in fact, that I'm even invited to her wedding, and that is so much fun. <laughs> I am here with Jennifer Ackerman. Woo! Hello. Hello. Welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. We were laughing on how professional it is here. It's so professional. Just amazing. kind of shocking. You were like, oh, am I going to a basement right now? I and kind then- of feel like we're like um, doing voiceover for like Family Guy or something like that. Oh, my God. Well, before you came in here, one of the studio guys, I didn't know who he was. And I introduced myself. And he said that he was one of the owners of the um, voiceover company. And with no shame, I said to him, I have a really great voice, right? You <laughs> do. Like, you were really good at that. And he's like, yeah, I was about to say. I'm like, so I'm looking for a job. How fun would it be if I was a cartoon? And Land, one of the producers, was like, you have no shame whatsoever. I'm like, I don't have shame. Like, You don't whatsoever. do voiceover? Because you really should, I feel like. You know, I used to audition for them. I've done, like, a few if, like, friends put me in it. Mm. But I did the voiceover, like, kind of audition world. But there's five main women that do voices for the kind of voices I would do. Mm-hmm. For me, they say I'm like a 10 to 15-year-old boy. I know that's super weird, but that's what my <laughs> that's voice funny. sounds like in that world. And there's women who are now like 70-plus years old that still play that voice kind of they right. play that caricature of, of whatever it is and so it's kind of like an offer only deal so That's if you're funny. a newbie and for me I was like I can't do this I was recording them in the closet right, um, right. because my house is not soundproof mm-hmm. we were in New York one time when I did Howard Stern and they were last minute like can you put yourself on tape it's supposed to sound like Chris Farley and I was like sure yeah <laughs> like, we had a roommate me and my fiance and she would be in the closet 24-7 no we would open it and she would be there like you know in her like Drama is still like doing voiceover, so yeah. Was I've, she I've a voiceover actress? Um, yeah, she was trying to trying be. To be. <laughs> you know, I think she was just trying to make money somehow, so she would just like be in a shitty closet in West Hollywood. Oh, uh, but my now God. I have a home studio now, which is so house. amazing because people don't if people don't know this, which I'm sure they they do by now if they've even you know whatever they know. Final Child, mm-hmm. that is you and your whole band. Now was Final Child your idea for a name was it before the band was this well so um coming from sweden to la i um started being in bands when i was around 20 so Mm -hmm. 10 years ago Um, oh because you had the guy who i'm obsessed with Um, i had another guy before that i mean i had so many different projects and bands and did solo for a bit but i found a writing partner from sweden out in la and we were a duo for a long time and we did a lot of sync as well Uh so um different um um, songs in TV and film. Oh my gosh, it's cool. what things means. Um, but um, and there, yeah, so like, like Gossip Girl. Uh, speaking of Gossip Girl, no, but we had a song in You. It's um, wait, I just finished You. This? I'm yeah. obsessed with it. Wait, yeah. what season was it? Uh, second season, episode two. They're at a party. Um, and like other, I'm so bad with names. So uh, if I drop out, it's because I don't know names. But uh, I, well, the lead actor is Pen Pen Badgley. There you go. Yeah. And there's another comedian that was in the second season. Chris Delia. Exactly. Oh my god, I it's know what scene... episode it was at his house. Exactly. It's some house <gasps> in the. Wait, I didn't girl. know that was you. I mean, it's in the background. I don't but, care. Yeah. That's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So we had a lot of, a lot of luck with the sync. Um, but then about like two and a half years ago, I kind of. 
like hit a dark place for the first time in my life and I was just I, it was really weird I'm sure we're gonna get into that yeah. whole stuff but um, and I kind of came out of that you know with a bunch of lyrics and song ideas and I felt like I had all this creativity inside of me that I just needed to pour out and just explore um, so that kind of became Final Child and I'm the youngest one in the family out of three sisters so that's what the name comes oh, from oh that's cute I didn't know that yeah yeah oh, I'm I the Final that. Child in the family and I kind of felt like it was like not a final moment for me, but just kind of like, I don't know. I just kind of came out of this whole thing um, feeling like I needed to, I don't know, push myself and and found myself in a new way. So Final Child was born. Why was it, I mean, maybe this is too personal, but why was it such a dark period? Because I think that, you know, you are happily engaged. Mm-hmm. I feel like that happened two years ago, right? Or maybe a year ago? Uh, we got engaged last year. Last year. Yeah. I mean, and people, we were just talking about earlier mm-hmm. off the podcast mm-hmm. how your, not even social media persona, but your persona of who you are outside of social and in social, mm-hmm. you are such a positive light. Right. And that's, every time someone meets you, that's what they always say to me. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, she's the sweetest girl in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just this, like, bright sun that's all the way around. Why did you have a dark moment? I didn't even know that. I think maybe because of that, maybe. Um, but, like, social media-wise, I I guess I just don't want to also, like, create any sort of heavy energy for myself on social media I feel like when I'm on it I want to stay positive I want to be inspired so I follow obviously a lot of friends but people that inspire me and artists and um, arts and all that kind of stuff but um, I guess maybe I've definitely had a lot of pressure on myself for a long time um, to to be happy and Mm -hmm. to take on so much stuff all the time and not like face it really it's hard to explain but sometimes you find your yourself in a place and you're like how the hell did I get here yeah. you know now looking back at it I can be like okay it was probably because of that I had a lot of stress and like I was anxious and I didn't really I don't know I didn't sleep well I was just stressed a lot you know I had a bandmate who actually took a lot of energy from me and and I was really you know it, it was just really heavy and all of a sudden it just kind of hit like a bomb and I was just like gone like I felt like I was was outside of my body for like three months I funny because my fiance was on the walking dead and I kept saying that I felt like I was a walking dead like I felt like you were a zombie yeah I felt like I was a zombie I felt like I was like walking around like just empty you know just completely Mm -hmm. empty Mm -hmm. like holy you know beep no you can we swear on this show like nonstop. you know if holy shit if I, I was like if I don't figure this shit out then then like Wow. And it was just, and I felt like I um got a lot of empathy for other people who, you know, struggled. And unfortunately, I've had a lot of friends and I had some family who, you know, committed suicide. And Sweden is a very, um, it can be a very dark place. Sweden, it's very dark and people don't, um, uh, people don't support each other. You know, there's a lot of jealousy really? in Sweden. Yeah. So it's more that kind of like, who do you, how do you think you are, you know? And correct me if I'm wrong, in Sweden, you, I mean, I know that you're super famous in Sweden, but you're also, really. <laughs> no, but you're like, you you did have a, a reality show? No. I've there was a like a docu-series shows. or something? Yeah, I feel like I've done a few different sort of um, guest appearances. But um, you put yourself out there yeah, in Sweden. Yeah, totally. I was just, when I was younger, when I came out to LA when I was 19, I was very like, okay, life, bring it. Like, I did right. everything. I did, you know, I, I went to school for a bit. I did modeling a lot. I had bands and I tried some acting. Like, I just 
just wanted to, and I would not. You, you know, were figuring your shit out. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like eventually it just kind of, it was just a bit too much and, mm-hmm. and uh, just ended up in the wrong crowd in LA for a little bit. And it wasn't really until I met my fiance now that I feel like I kind of um, fell in love with, with um, LA again and the whole, mm-hmm. just the whole I don't know, seen out here because it can be a lot. You I'll know? tell you, uh, I, you know, it's weird because I'm technically from here because I've been here since I was nine. So mm-hmm. for me, this feels like home. Mm-hmm. But it, it's funny, like Sturgis, mm-hmm. my partner, who you know, mm-hmm. uh, for longer than yeah, even I've known him, so which is so funny. It's <laughs> such a small world and we didn't even meet that way. Yeah. But he said that when he first moved to L.A. from New York, he was like, it was kind of cool, but it felt very empty. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even really come out here for himself. Like, he came here with a girlfriend, and he did do work here, and he was doing his music still, and he was, like, kind of, like, playing around with the tech world mm-hmm. and producing. Exactly. And he didn't really love it, and he missed New York so much. And then he went back to New York, and he didn't really love that either. And then he came out back to L.A., and he said when he met me, he saw L.A., through right. such a different lens. And he saw it not for the, you know, clubs and the nagging people and, like, the draining of your soul. He felt it through this, just, I guess, a new vision. And he looked through my, you know, telescope and saw it differently yeah. than he saw it himself. But that's what's or so with great another relationship. The you right know? partner that you find, you know what I mean? Totally, totally. Yeah. And I think that I have that that feeling with certain ways about certain cities. Like, I really love New York. I can appreciate New York. But I never felt I would be a part of a New York lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But then when he took me around, because he lived there his whole life, you're like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. It is magical. Like, I finally see the magic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it does take someone else to kind of bring yeah. that out of you. And it doesn't have to be a relationship. It could even just be a friendship or family or something. Totally, someone. yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's... something, but... No, he definitely helped me kind of pull me out. And we're a really good team, I feel like, as you're well. You're a great like, team. Yeah. I feel like... Um, and especially good. when you guys sing together. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's fun too. I'm just really picky. I'm like, Tom, don't do this. As much as you do that, and he gets b- really into when he sings. Like he closes his eyes. Oh, he is very eyes. into it. You know, his mic um, tilts up, and he's closing his eyes, putting his hand on his chest, and like you're like, stay in you your know. lane, buddy. This is yeah, my I'm show. like <laughs> staring, like okay, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, he's um he's great, but um but, but yeah. what is what is Sweden like? So I told you earlier, mm-hmm. we've had people come on from all over the world right. and discuss mental health of what it's like being there. I've never been to Sweden. I feel like I saw Sweden because I went to Copenhagen and I went on that giant swing that goes to the top where mm-hmm. you could see Sweden across mm-hmm. the way. So I feel like I... You've kind of I, spotted I've, it a I've little bit. I've spotted it. I've spotted it. But I've always wanted to go. But when I yeah. think of Sweden, I think of Swedish people being so happy-go-lucky, right. smiling yeah. on their bikes, like having fun. You know what's interesting? Um, there was just a documentary that a pretty famous Swedish comedian did that um, right now... Um, more people are taking antidepressants more than ever in Sweden. Really? Yeah. It's like, I think the largest number of people in like European countries, like Sweden is number one or two. Like it's very, really um, high up. No, I'm going to sound really stupid for a second. But isn't Sweden one of the places where it's dark the longest amount of time? Like kind in of in north, in the north, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the north, it's like twenty four seven. But in the summertime, it's the opposite. Right. So the sun right. never sets. You right. know. So there's like two months where everybody is like. Uh, probably drunk all the time but like <laughs> out all the time and like um 
you know, the sun never sets, and it, it is gorgeous. You know, yeah. Sweden is great for many reasons, but there's just I don't know. I've never really felt like at home there since I was a kid. I always knew that I was gonna go somewhere else, and it's just I don't I don't I can't really put my finger on it, but I I think. People um, are scared uh, to be themselves. They're scared to to stand out. Um, and if you do, you should get a lot of shit from it from other people. Um, if you if you do well, if you have a nice car or something like that, it's just showing off instead of like you know being happy for someone. Wow. Um, so unfortunately, even from yeah. like the creative space, like being yeah, unless you like really you know quotes made it whatever mm-hmm. um then people are always like oh my god this person is this and that but before then it's not really supportive they want to keep you in a box kind yeah of thing. um how bizarre yeah i just went back now um uh, in for christmas and it was two and a half years ago that i went um last but even just after a week i'm like get me out of here oh my god yeah unfortunately th- th- i feel like the older i get and the more time i spend here and the more i i you know become my adult self i'm like i feel less and less at home here and it's weird cuz i meet family and friends but it's just i don't know and your parents yeah. still live there they do yeah they come here all the time though you know? i mean yeah I, and i, I have feel my like sister lives here as well who's been here for a long time so it's just L.A. It's always been kind of home. Um, but now your sister, was she born in Sweden as well? She was born in Canada. My oldest sister. Oh, in yeah. Canada. Okay. So okay. So, so she, a little different. So she didn't have to experience that whole. No, not really. But she still knows what I'm Culturally, talking about. Culturally, she knows. Yeah. Right, right. When exactly. she was with me now in Sweden as well, we both like, oh, God. It's just, oh, my gosh. I think it's like in L.A. or like in America, at least, like it's different cultures, right? You go, right. To, you go to Whole Foods or whatever and you see like all different people and and you're like, hey, where are you from? And totally. like, you know, last night I took my mom to, you know, a music gig and it's just all kinds of people. Someone's wearing a cowboy hat. Someone's got a pink wig on, you know, and it's not a masquerade. It's not like a costume party. People no. just are themselves. Like, so put like, on whatever you want to put on, you know. And in Sweden, it's not like that at all. Like, I walked around with sunglasses inside this Christmas, like, because I was tired. And I got, like, the weirdest eyes. Like, what the hell are you doing? Take your glasses off. Who do you think you are? I'm like, who cares if I have my sunglasses on? You that know, is just, so nuts. It's like too, life is too short to give too much f about. Okay, stuff so like that. if you're saying that, oh, so now no, I had no idea about the antidepressants and how much yeah. medication is going yeah. on in Sweden. That is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for bringing that because mm-hmm. that is something I never would have mm-hmm. thought, nor would I think I would research, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, terrible. I think it's mainly, but I, I should I yeah. should know this, but I don't know that. So I'm very happy that yeah, someone who's yeah, yeah. from there could tell me this mm-hmm. because Google sometimes is not mm-hmm. always factual. But you were saying to me earlier as well that people look down upon therapy and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So how do you think the connection is that they feel comfortable enough to get on antidepressants? Do you think that they hide it and don't tell people? I think so. I had a sister who took it, and I didn't know that she took it. Um, I had no idea she took antidepressants. Um, I do now, obviously, and I know the reasons why, but we didn't know that she did. You know, I guess she went to the doctors and she said how she was doing, and I don't think it's that hard to get. It can't be that hard to get. No. Um, it's weird because Sweden is not really like a drug sort of country. Like, right. Um, so it's all pretty new. I guess so. Yeah. Maybe, and maybe people are just trying it out as well. But I d- it's just, there's just no, like positive life energy in Sweden. No soul. I d- no. 
it's just like people just walk around like statues or barely walk them. They just yeah. stand around. The walking dead. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's how I feel. Wow. I just want to shake people. And I feel like if people, you know, did, you know, I don't know, dancing therapy or laugh therapy or like traveled around the world and came back, you know, I always say like the best Swedes, you're not going to meet in the country. You're you going to meet outside. Outside the country. Because they've left. Yeah, those are the best sweets, if you want to say that. Oh, my gosh. That's what, yeah. Because they're the ones that, you know, um, sweet people are great. You know, they're usually really smart. You know, they're really realistic. They're really um, um, adventurous. And and we have great education, obviously, and we're really healthy. But the country itself is just really draining. And When you were younger, did you feel this way, too? Yeah. Obviously, when you're younger, you have a sort of broader life you know, perspective of your dreams, what you're going to do in your life. And then you get older, you're like, oh, my God, this is it? Yeah. Like, what? I don't want to live like this. So um, I guess I felt that pretty early on. Um, I remember just sitting in school, like, looking out the window, just counting down the days until I can move to Los Angeles. It's so funny because, (laughs) I I mean, not knowing Sweden, but hearing kind of what you're telling me, it reminds me a lot of my friends. I'm I'm not going to say just particularly the South, but I'm going to say the middle of, of... the states where it's not LA and it's not New York where things are like kind of happening and popping mm-hmm. in the entertainment world and and all that stuff but where they feel like they don't belong and i'm going to use my mom as this example like my mom was from chicago she came from a really fun family like we're all lots of fun you know but she knew that that was not the place for her like right. at all mm-hmm. and it wasn't that she wasn't happy where she was. Like, she had a wonderful life. Sometimes I'm very jealous of her childhood because she lived in this place that had four seasons. You know what I mean? It was not a small town because they were still in, in you know, Chicago, but it felt kind of that old values. Like, mm-hmm. the area that she grew up was where they shot Home Alone, right? So, right. It, like, it's that perfect kind of neighborhood. Even oh. though it wasn't perfect, it was perfect. And I fantasize about that yeah. life of, like, having that kind of life because mine wasn't like that. Mm. But she knew her entire life that she didn't want to fucking stay there. That yeah. there was more to it. Yeah. Um, you know, my uncle is still there and he lives an incredible life and he travels all the time. Like, they all have this magical spirit about them. But for her, she felt the same way that you did, that there was so much more that she had to explore. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people that move to L.A. or move to New York, mm-hmm. that's what kind of bonds us all together is having a dream that's bigger than what they see right in front of their face. So I don't think it matters where in the world you are because if you are meant to to be a shining light for the people, if you Mm -hmm. will, you Mm -hmm. know, you're going to find your way to Mm -hmm. that spotlight. Yeah. I mean, it's not... It's also very, like, you know, black and white. It's like, oh, you're this, oh, you're that. And I feel like as a creative person, you do different things. You try, you try things out. You meet people. You're like, oh, you inspired me to try this. You just might do that. And like, there's nothing of that. What about your parents? Because they're so supportive of you when yeah. they come to all your shows. They're yeah. Like well, my dad things. should really have been like an actor. And my mom is just all, she's really talented in, in multiple areas, like acting, um, drawing, to the dancer. Like, she's just really creative. I definitely got that from her. And I got my, my social and sort of jokey side from my dad, you know. Yeah. We, like, sometimes walk on the street and say exactly the same thing at the same time. If we see, like, a funny sign, we're, like, we were, like, in Burbank and 
pass by some like Italian restaurant and we just like at the same time said like eh paso doble and we're like <laughs> okay that was probably Spanish but you know what I mean like and we looked at each other it's like okay this is weird we're very similar in, in that sense that's so cute but yeah. were they pushing you to be creative I mean because every one of your sisters you um, guys are all very creative souls yeah I th- yeah my mom definitely did I guess dad was a bit more like so where are you going to be in five years and mom's like just keep doing what you're doing but I mean I've been very lucky to have family that that support and, and help out if I needed to and so for you know in that field I'm definitely very lucky and very lucky because it sounds like in Sweden they kind of want everyone to be Exactly. In the box. Yeah. For well, them to live out of the box. Was... My dad's family was, was is kind of like that. So I'm actually, he's like the, you know, the outsider in that family, in that perspective. Like he's just, I don't know, he's just very jokey and, and funny, even though he comes from like an upper class family. He's, um, he's just, um, he's a great, great guy. And like, he's like the, 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 you know, the funny light energy that comes into a party. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like he's, I feel maybe my parents are living through us a little bit, you know, right. like stuff that they couldn't do or they didn't know how to, cause it was obviously harder, you know, 40 years ago yeah. to like, you know, try something out and, or whatever, you know, start a band and like, you know, there was an Instagram and all that kind of stuff. No. So, uh, for them it's like, oh, actually this is actually possible, Yeah, you know? So I think they enjoy seeing I that. think it's so weird because even just a couple of years ago, Instagram didn't exist. And people yeah. are like, what do you mean? I actually kind of miss those times. I miss those. I wish having like a Blackberry and then like, I miss my no- Did you ever have a Nokia phone? Like, yeah, it wasn't yeah, even yeah. a, like, those are the days that I miss. I, I miss too, a pager. Actually. Like, I miss yeah. the very simple things. Me too. In my life. Being the youngest, I'm an only child, so mm. I always ask friends like mm. what this is like. Because yeah. I always envisioned having siblings and I never oh, did. Cutie. Because you were the child like the the baby you were yeah. the final child mm-hmm. did you ever feel like the baby did you feel like yeah the weight was on your shoulder like i i for me i know what it was like being an only child for me seems like it would either be like an, a, the firstborn or the lastborn because that's when you spend the most time alone mm-hmm. with your parents right mm-hmm. so i think for you especially being mm-hmm. the baby you were you had everyone around you at all times, right? right, right? So for me, like, I always felt not a weight on my shoulders from from everyone, but it was all about me. So, like, Mm -hmm. I couldn't use a sibling as a distraction. I I feel like it was all on me. Maybe I'm saying this, like, completely, like, out of control and I'm not making sense. But what was it like for you? Did you feel a lot of pressure growing up? Did you feel like you had to be a certain way? You had to grow up or take care of everything? Like, what did you feel like? I didn't feel pressured. Um, I feel very lucky to have had um, two older siblings, sisters that I looked up to like crazy. I mean, like my middle, the middle sister, Michaela, would like mess with me so much. I mean, she would trick me that I was adopted, that no. she would lock me in closets. Like, Why do every, every oh, so person mean, I know yeah. that had a sibling, their older sibling would always trick them that they were adopted. Like, yeah. you know that you're I not mean, I, did, I did look like a little Eskimo kid. Like I had the <laughs> biggest cheeks and and the smallest little almond eyes. Um, so she definitely used to trick me that I was adopted. But um, no, I feel very lucky that I that I had siblings. You know, like me, my sister would play all the time, and we're really close. We're very similar in many ways, but also very different. Um, very different in some ways too. But um, but not so much pressured. No, if anything. Um, it was just amazing to kind of follow their footsteps and and uh, have their support and. Um, yeah, I'm very lucky there as well to oh, to grow so up nice. with with sisters and the older sister Mullen, She grew up in Canada, so she would come home and be like, 
once or twice a year with yeah. like you know modeling photos and the commercials that she's done. She was like the coolest thing in the world for us, and she still is, of course. You know, she's the coolest. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm very lucky in that sense. You know that she's like my favorite person ever because my I've told you this before. Oh, yeah, my comeback. favorite show is the comeback. Yeah. Oh my god, and her being Juna and Baby Girl is just. But you just were really like... young when they came out. I mean, we're both for like. No, I mean, I feel like I was probably. Nineteen or well, it must have been like nineteen or twenty when it came out because I know this. It was before I did Caprica when I was Caprica. I was twenty, so okay, maybe like eighteen, nineteen. And any guy that I dated, I would make them watch the pilot episode of The Comeback, and if they didn't think it was funny, oh I would never speak God, to them again. It was a thing that it's a, a couple test. of my friends, yeah, because you know what? It was like simple. It was the kind of humor that I thought to be funny if you didn't understand it I was like yeah you know what you're not gonna understand me and I would do it like right off the bat that's funny that was always my test I should do that with, with the Russian doll oh that's like I my love name. Russian doll she's like my my god that hero. show is so good so good I've, I think I've seen it like five times Oh, well, I've only seen it once, but no, I think <laughs> I watched it four or five times. By now, I just have it on the background, just to like, even in the studio, just have it on to like be inspired. Like that's how I feel about the comeback. Do you know I I probably quote it so many times. Wow. The, well, the funniest. Well, I don't know if it's funny. It's kind of embarrassing. But when I first met Sturgis, I would quote it so much, and he's like, uh. "You are just hilarious." <laughs> I've never met a girl who has these one-liners. And then I showed him this one particular episode of the comeback when they go to Palm Springs because we were going to the same hotel. And he looked at me and he goes, wait, do you just say all the one-liners from the comeback? And this whole time I thought this was your original comedy. I'm like, no, that's not me. (laughs) Oh, God. I need to watch it again. I feel like I was so young when it came out, but I didn't know the industry. And it was your sister. And so you, I feel like you looked at it differently. It was before I came out to L.A., so, like, I didn't know any of the industry stuff. Right, right, right. You didn't get the ins and outs of the jokes. No, not at all. And especially I feel like if you've done multi-camera shows, you've done shows like Big Bang Theory, like stuff like that, you understand the pressure of mm-hmm. the writing and especially in that time like the douchebaggery of men like yeah. anyways that's just my little my yeah. little spiel no I remember you this. said that before yeah, yeah yeah it's just my little spiel yeah. so final child mm-hmm. you have been working on music like crazy you mm-hmm. just said that you're working on a new album yeah a new EP um and I found a really cool producer actually so the last EP I produced myself that was also kind you of you did a- that yourself I wrote it, Holy produced shit. it, I mixed it. Um, my ears are still ringing Girl. from the nights and the days. I feel like that was also like kind of the challenge with the whole project. And, you know, when you're in bands and you have session with producers, you kind of, it's easy to get lost in their sound and, and their opinions. And mm-hmm. I felt with Final Child, I didn't really think like, oh, this is going to be the biggest thing in the world. I just wanted to just create and to write songs. So for the yeah. first time, after going through like an emotional and weird mental state I was like okay I actually have some like real words I want to say um so I just ended up you know creating demos and then just working harder on them and then I would try different producers but then like it would just change the sound so much Mm -hmm. that um I was like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do this you know but you are changing the style a little bit for this next album yeah I I mean I feel like oh it's you know it's evolving all the time right you know as I go but um 
when I started writing like for this project, it was a bit more electronic, and I kind of put them aside because I love rock so much. Yeah, and yeah. once I start doing shows, everybody kept telling me, "Oh, you should do, do you know more of these songs because that's kind of what your live shows are like." Right. So I kind of just fell into that, and then you know release more of the songs that I did live, but. Um, no, I'm just kind of like, whatever. I just want to release what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the next EP that's coming um, is a bit more electronic. And I found um, a great producer who's pretty much taken um, my productions, which are like maybe 70 or 80% done, and then just making them sound even better. Oh my and it's really fun to see that, that all the time that I put into something actually pays off. You know? It's such a thrill. Um, Do you ever get nervous going on stage? Unfortunately, I do like <laughs> the like the five minutes before, and I hate it. I think I listened to you actually, because um, I think I one of your episodes you spoke about this and how like you went to auditions, right? And you yeah. get really nervous, and I hate it. Because oh, I did that on Instagram. Instagram I did that was. video yeah, because yeah, yeah. I had a panic attack before yeah, I went. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was gonna throw up. Yeah. I never had that. Like I've had many panic att- uh, attacks in my life, but nothing to do with like you know, stage fright or anything like right. that. More kind of uh, for other reasons. But um, no, I just, uh, I guess it's just like, I have the confidence. I'm good. I, I uh, you know, it's the songs. I, I'm like, but it's that little, little percentage of like in my head that goes like, yeah. you might fuck it up. You might fuck it up. You might fuck it up. Yeah. You know, like, and people are watching you. But I didn't have that when I was younger. But I feel like now I take this a lot more serious. Well, and I think that, when I was talking about like the auditions, yeah. I used to be the most amazing auditioner. Like it never phased me. I was never yeah. nervous, like nothing. But I think also being older, not even that you want it more, you're so aware of who you are now exactly. as a person. Yeah. And you're so in touch with your your body and your soul and the way that your mind works that that's when you like doubt yourself. Yeah. And I think it sucks. It's so, I, I was just going to say it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. It always ruins like the first one or two songs for me. Oh, so um well you would never know that well i know because i know that i can like i can sing so much better than that but when you're nervous obviously that you know like your heart is racing and your mouth gets really dry and i can't my my you know stomach can't engage as much in my in my voice yeah because i don't have the support you know what i mean so it just gets shaky but once you get in the groove then you're like once you get in the groove groove. it's just like the first like five five minutes right before and then you probably don't want it to stop because you're like oh god i'm in this like i'm in yeah yeah, you're like i'm feeling yeah i i yeah i I remember i think i remember listening to that and you're like you ask people to give you some advice right yeah and you had like, yeah, breathe, I'm advice. just like testing you now, like, like breathing. <laughs> you know, I actually Googled it. I was like, okay, <laughs> um, advice for dry mouth or like nervousness. And like um, one thing that I actually didn't try, but I bought it is um, really strong mint gum. Really? Yeah. I mean, for the dry mouth thing. Right. Okay. Okay. That's supposed to help because it happens to me because when I get nervous, my heart starts to ray and that makes yeah. my mouth dry. Yeah. Um, so like strong mint gum is supposed to help like you know with the saliva yeah, in your yeah, mouth. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's I haven't tried it yet. I did buy it for this last show I had last oh week, but God. I forgot to try it. I think I had like another mint semi early before, but but um, but yeah, then breathing obviously like breathing helps a lot. Just I don't know, just trying to think about something completely different. And you know, I do sometimes think about like just simple things. Like I'm just really lucky to be here. 
it's not the end of the world. Something happens. Yeah. You can always walk up on stage, and the next day it will be old news. You know, sometimes we just we just paint up this big picture. Everything's gonna fall apart, or like what's gonna happen. But really, it's not that big of a deal. You know. Yeah. Well, and I think you're also, you know, very blessed that you don't have a panic attack on stage because no. I know a lot of musicians that do that and they kind of like black out and they don't know what's going on and they like have to push through it and get through it, but it ruins the experience for them. Yeah. And that's really hard. So yeah. at least these are happening off stage and not on stage. Yeah, I think yeah. That that's important. Like uh, panic attacks for me has more been like when my body isn't well. You know, yeah. I, well, you, your body goes into fight or flight because it's not. Yeah, that's it's true. not functioning. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, no, no, luckily that hasn't happened before. But during that time when I wasn't well, like three years ago, I would wake up in the middle of the night with like these. I mean, I don't, I don't understand what happened to me. I felt like I just wasn't myself. Like I would wake up with these horrible panic attacks. And I just, just about being alive. It was so oh weird. Like, I remember sitting in the, in the in the bathroom on the floor and just going like, "I'm so fucked. I'm so fucked." I I don't understand what I I feel like I had some sort of like stress stroke that just kind yeah. of broke out, and like for a while I just was really suffering from awful like anxiety and like my tongue got like so swollen up <gasps> no. that I like. I couldn't. Uh, I remember going to a friend's gig, and I was like too scared to go back behind stage and say hi because, like, I feel like I can't talk. It was like, I, oh like my that. gosh, I you just worked yourself up so badly. Your body just was yeah. expressing everything. Yeah. So that's obviously when the panic attacks comes. But now I came not anymore. But I, um, even though it was a horrible time, and like I still today trying to figure out what happened, and I don't know. It was just a lot of stress and just putting things aside and. Well, and I think also, I, I at least for me, I use myself as an example. When I hit, like, probably, like, 29, I was finally happy in my relationship with Sturgis. I mean, I was obviously happy the entire time. We've been together for over four years. But there was a point where the comfortability came in where I was like, oh, my my childhood of he's not going to abandon me. He's mm-hmm. not going to leave me. He loves me for who I am. I don't have to pretend anymore, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't pretending. In my mind, I, I was just trying to make sure everything was perfect. And the moment that I felt comfortable is that's when my depression came on. Mm-hmm. And that's when my anxiety came on and my anger and like the bipolar disorder, really, even though I was mm-hmm. medicated the same. It was almost because I was finally like safe Mm -hmm. and then all my childhood issues you know with my father and everything all kind of surfaced and I feel like a lot of women I know for men it's kind of later in life but a lot of women when you're in your late 20s all of these childhood things come to you and they surface and you have no idea why yeah and I mean it took me until just recently for Mm -hmm. me to figure out that this is why I was acting like that Mm -hmm. and this is why these these tantrums you know kind of thing were happening but it's a lot of childhood issues that finally are coming to you because you're content and you're finally happy of where you are Mm -hmm. but you're also hitting that age where you're like why am I not married yet even though you know you were in a happy relationship I should have I thought I would have kids I thought I would be a Grammy you know award winner like I'm using you now like Mm -hmm. you know what I mean there's certain things where these expectations Mm -hmm. I thought I would have two kids by 30 I thought I'd have an Academy Award an Mm -hmm. Emmy (laughs) like these outrageous expectations because you just think that life is going to play itself out and then when you're there you're like oh my god nothing of the things I thought was happening was going to happen no I was like Fuck. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
what do you mean I'm not living the life that I thought I was? I know, But it it hits, and you're not the, I can tell you every single girl that I've sat in this room with, Mm -hmm. and we, like, talk about stuff, that's what always comes up. It's always that age. And then I have a lot of friends who I don't think there's a coincidence that, like, there's been so many awful stories about, you know, people in the late 20s, like 27 Club, and, like, I don't think there's a, like, I think that's something happens mentally and in your body when you get to that, you know, you're not Mm -hmm. a kid anymore. Life is really happening. And, but, you know, unfortunately, some people don't get to go to the other side because they, you know, they fall before they get Mm -hmm. the chance to. But when you come out on the other side, it's like, I'm so happy that time happened. Right. Right. So happy because now I'm like, I'm not scared. I'm not scared to like before I would be like, oh, my God, I'm scared to even like get in the car and drive. What if I get a panic attack in the middle of the desert? You know, Mm. now I'm like, who cares? Like, I don't really care about that anymore. I'm not scared of, of that at all. You know, so if I didn't have that time, I would still, I don't want to be that person anymore. Like, who wants to be scared their whole life? Or, no. like, who wants to have panic attacks? They, they suck. It's <laughs> the God, worst thing you in the world. You know it's what I mean? It's the fucking worst. It's you the worst. You're having a stroke or a heart attack. Yeah, and, and you're like, awful. it's horrible. So, like, What do you think that you did to get out of the funk? Like, what, were you creatively writing at that time? I, I did, actually. But I was, at the time, actually, I was, like, too scared to look at what I wrote. Because right. I was so scared that these words were actually mine. Wow. You know, the first song on my next EP is called What's the Way Out. And I remember sitting with Tom, my fiancé, at a bar in, in Atlanta, visiting him while Walking Dead. And I still felt, felt like I was nothing. Like, I was empty. I had no emotions. I didn't even know if I was I was in love with him anymore. It was just, you know, when you're not happy, it's hard to love other people. You of course, know, if you don't love, you yourself. love yourself. Yeah, exactly. So I just sat there and I wrote all these words, like... And some dude was, like, rapping, you know, and people were, like, cheering on. And I just wrote down a bunch of words. Like, I guess I got to be around and, like, live this shitty life. And I thought about a friend that passed away. And you're like, oh, maybe that's, like, the way to go. I, didn't, I just wrote all these words down. And Your that actually became, yeah. became a song. But I didn't look at those lyrics until six months later. Wow. Because, like, I was just too scared to look at those. And, like, oh, my. I feel like that's also, like, the thing. Like, this can happen to everybody and almost happens to everybody. Yeah. You know, but when it happens to you, you feel like. I'm so alone. You're alone in your own body. You know, you're trapped mm-hmm. in this unhealthy mind. It's so scary. Like, I I totally understand people that are not, you know, in a good place a lot more than I did before. You know, more supportive of if people are not well or, like, you know, rest, take your time. Before, it was always like, come on, you can do that. Yeah, or get your shit together. You can do that. Like, yeah. it'll be fun. It's yeah. like... It doesn't go away in a night, you know. This it, this took, like, you know, six months. I feel like after a year, I was completely healed, you know. So it took a lot of time. But I guess, you know, my advice, it's so hard when you're in it, but it's just to trust that you will be good again mm-hmm. and that it just takes time to heal. And the, and the, But the time and the healing process is so worthy of who you will be afterwards. Yes, you know? and you learn so much about yourself and going through that rock bottom, at least for me, and I'm sure it was for you, of, of that feeling, look at what it's done for you now. Yeah. And, like, how cool that you're releasing that song. Totally. And it's going to relate and resonate for so many people in that yeah. world to be like, oh, fuck, like, she felt mm-hmm. the way I did, but look at what happened to her. Yeah. And look at where she is when she, like, fell through with this. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. And I try, I mean, like, I, I try to... Like I said before, I'm not really, like, outspoken on social media, but there are people sometimes, obviously, to you as well, like, reach out, like, oh, I had a shit day. And, like, it takes me, like, to, even though, you know, it can become really overwhelming for people that have so many followers, but, like, it takes me, like, 
two seconds to yeah. like to just say something yeah. you know because I know at that time I would appreciate that so much, of you know, the it's fact that the they they can actually reach out and admit to themselves that they're not well. Yeah. I feel like I was scared to admit to myself, like I barely even call my family, like I am so not well right now. Right. And like if I had told somebody the things I was thinking or feeling or like the panic attacks I had, I feel like they would have locked me into a mental hospital. Right. You know what I mean? And like so, if you're so scared. You know, so it's so important to reach out to people that you know because have gone it, it, through the same thing. And people thing. think that it's a weakness, but it's not. It is so brave to be open with your it's emotions. It's so brave. I'm like, and respect them so much. And didn't you feel like, yeah. a re- like a release of like, <sighs> I can finally breathe? Because if you put it out to the world, it makes it, it, it gives it that much less energy as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Because in your head, you're just like doing this deep fucking spiral and you're yeah. like, Bleh. and other yeah. people can kind of help you through it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you one of our final questions okay. and I ask everyone, but there's no pressure. It could be like simple, it could be deep, it could be whatever. But Jennifer, uh-huh. what makes you wake up in the morning and continue on with your life? Um... First of all, probably uh, my house that I'm in. I I go to bed at like ten. Like after bachelor is done, I'm yes, I'm bachelor out. nation. <laughs> I'm out, <laughs> and I go. Damn it! I would have watched another episode. Oh, I gotta go to sleep. Yeah, but like I I go to bed early because I want to wake up the next day. Actually, so I feel like that question starts even like the night before because I love waking up at our house and like before you know. Um, like we were saying before, like, you want to have this, you want to win this, you want to be the biggest that. I don't care about that anymore. I sometimes wish I had the drive I did when I was 20 and 19 and 18. But now I'm just like, I just want to be half happy. If I'm healthy and happy and I want to wake up in the morning and see my the man I love and know that I'm going to have a great day just hanging out in our garden or, like, going for a walk, that's that's it for me. Mm-hmm. And it just, I feel like that's, like, pure happiness. Just wanting wanting to be alive and being happy where you are is like the biggest goal for me. Yeah, I could, you know, just go on like I do now forever. I feel like I don't have as like high expectation of who I want to be or of the goals that I need, and I just want to be happy. So um, I think is that kind of no. I absolutely love that because no one's answered with the starting with the night before, mm-hmm. but I completely believe in setting the intention when you go to bed that tomorrow is a new day it's going to be fresh and new and you can restart a lot of people hate mondays and they say they have the sunday scaries and all this stuff and for me not only because bachelor's on like whatever is on a monday like best day of the week but beyond the bachelor i feel like it's a start to a new week and it's fresh and i'm like okay you know what this last week was really fucked up but i'm gonna make the best that i can out of this and i'm gonna continue on Mm -hmm. so i think it's very important at night to set that intention of tomorrow is a new day. And so. the last thing that me my, me me my me and Tom say to each other is um can we just see you tomorrow when we go to sleep. Oh my god, that's so cute. <laughs> so that's the last thing that we kiss and then we say good night. I can't wait to see you tomorrow. So I feel like that's kind of also helped me to like go to bed with a smile. Yeah. It's like the best thing in the world and if like we never go to bed with like having an argument or like if I want to fix something and do the night you know the night before like go to bed with like a smile. Yeah. I guess it's a good good advice okay that's amazing advice I want everyone to listen to that I love you so much and I can't wait for your wedding I'm so excited thank you so much for coming thank you for having me bye